Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, where we interview Tiffany Oliche, the budget nista, and talk about financial wholeness and how to achieve it. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and joining me today is my not nearly as cool as Tiffany Oliche co-host, Kyle Mast. Sorry, Kyle, but come on. You just spent an hour talking to Tiffany. You know I'm right. So true. So true. All right. Kyle and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you are starting. Whether you want to retire early, travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals, get money out of the way so that you can just launch yourself towards your dreams. Now is the time for our segment of the show called The Money Moment, where we share a money hack, tip, or trick to help you on your financial journey. Today's money moment is a lot of us buy way more food per week than we consume. To avoid this, go grocery shopping more than once a week. In many parts of the world, people buy their food daily. Not all of us will be able to do that, but if you can increase the amount of times you go food shopping, your food will be fresh and you won't be buying more than you need. Do you have a money tip for us? Email moneymoment at biggerpockets.com. Kyle, I am so excited to talk to Tiffany today. She has a new book out. It's called Made Whole, and it isn't a book. It's a workbook, kind of a companion to her book from two years ago called Get Good With Money, and it is really just filled with her signature brand of compassionate information in a not judgmental format. Yeah, I we just need to get this interview out for people to listen to. She has an infectious personality. She just is so good at making things a lot lighter and a lot more approachable. So so it's this is a great interview. Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with rent to retirement? Rent to retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, 
hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Tiffany Alice is a former preschool teacher who is now devoted to the financial education of millions. Tiffany is the founder of the Live Richer Academy, the co-host of the Brown Ambition podcast, and the author of several books, including the New York Times bestseller, Get Good With Money, and the new workbook, Made Whole. Tiffany, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me back. For the third time, it's a three-peat. It's a three-peat. Yes. If you did not catch Tiffany on episode eight or episode 187, you need to go back and listen to those because Tiffany is a rock star. Uh, Tiffany, let's start out with who is the Budget Nista and the Live Richer Challenge. So the Budget Nista is essentially me, which is I'm a financial educator, um, a former preschool teacher, and I like to educate a myriad of ways. So whether it's books, like my new book, Made Whole, whether it's my podcast, I have an online school, the Live Richer Academy. And then I do a free challenge, financial challenge every year in January called the Live Richer Challenge. I love the way that your Live Richer Challenge works because it's so non-judgmental. Here's and it's and it's easy. You're not throwing like here's a hundred hours of stuff to do. I'll see you tomorrow. It's like here's a minute. Here's five minutes. Here's a small task, and I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, and honestly, the it's the reason why. I initially wrote uh, Get Good With Money, which the companion book is the new book, Made Whole, is because as I was doing the challenges, um, people were asking additional questions. Like, what about budgeting? What about savings? What about... And I thought, what if I could put together like a book that kind of answers all these foundational financial questions, but then walks you through the work like the way the Literature Challenge did? And so um, I wrote Get Good With Money about two years ago, and... Literally hundreds of thousands of people have purchased that book, almost 300,000 people in two years. Um, it became a New York Times bestseller. But then I got feedback that they were like, this is a really great textbook, but I want to get to the work sooner rather than later. And so I made its companion copy, uh, Made Whole, where it's like, all right, as soon as you learn the lesson, I give you the space to to practice the work. Like a real teacher, like, you know, I know locally we all hated homework, but the reason why you got homework is because you learned something in school that day and your teacher wanted you to immediately put it to practice so you wouldn't lose the knowledge. And so that's what the Made Whole Workbook allows you to do. Learn a thing, practice a thing, keep that knowledge. That's awesome. I'm I'm a sucker for workbooks. I remember like being in college and flying home for spring break or back for the summer. And in, you know, in the airports, if there was any financial book that had a workbook in it, like that was basically the criteria that I would purchase that to do it on the plane live. And what's really cool is years later, if you keep any of those things, it's pretty funny to look back at them. Uh, and what your goals were, uh, one of the reasons I, you know, journaling is such a good thing too, but tell us a little bit more about this made whole, you know, like what do you cover in it? Is this something that people can get a really good picture of their whole financial goals, future, you know, where they're at now, like what's it really intended to do and what are the details of it? It's holistically looking at your financial life over 10 steps and each step is worth 10%. So by the end, you are a hundred percent whole. And so the first five steps are budgeting, savings, credit, debt, earning. 
And the second five steps are investing for both retirement and wealth, insurance, um, it is your your net worth, your financial team, and estate planning. So those 10 steps collectively make your holistic financial life. And if you can master them, you don't have to be super wealthy. You can master them as a mechanic, as a teacher, as a nurse, as a doctor, as a CEO, but anyone can master for the most part those 10 steps. And in doing so, have a strong financial foundation that they can live the rest of their lives on. Tiffany, what are some of the steps that you advise people to take emotionally before they can embark on these financial 10 steps? So that's something that like one of the things I wanted to make sure that I addressed and made whole was that part. Like before you actually get to the work, you know, you we we talk about that part. And one of those things is that so many of us are carrying shame when it comes to some of the choices we've made, because I know I have made every mistake possible. Um, if for those of you who read Get Good With Money, remember Jake the Thief, who's still in jail, by the way. Um, he, for those who didn't read Get Good With Money, he was someone who scammed me and left me $35,000 in credit card debt. Um, and it was like the worst time because then the next year the recession happened and I lost my job. And then I lost my condo because I bought one when I was 25 and I thought like, oh, I'm so financially grown. And then I had to move back home with my parents. It was a series of remarkable challenges <laughs> between the age of like 26 and like 31 life was really, really hard financially. And so I had a hard time moving past those mistakes. So I want to address that for, for folks who, you know, are feeling down on themselves to the mistakes they made. And one of those things is that, um, is that I learned that the only way I learned this in therapy, the only way to release shame is to give voice to it. Like you have to tell someone, you know, like whether it's your bestie, your mom, for me, it was my best friend, Linda. And I remember like crying to her and being like, oh my God, I owe all this money on my credit card and I got to move back home with my parents. And, you know, and she was like, well, I'm currently sitting on my mom's couch where I currently live. So <laughs> welcome to the couch club. And she literally said that and made me laugh. And it allowed me to release some of that shame. And in so doing, I was able to look around and realize, you know, I actually do know how to budget really well. And even though I'm on unemployment, you know, if I navigate in this way, I could save something. And so shame shield solutions and releasing that through through sharing it with someone, you know, really helps to for you to see what those solutions are. So I opened the book with like giving yourself grace and space and sharing the shame. Oh, that's really good. That's uh our next question that we wanted to ask you was about the B word in personal finance budgeting. And that's just, you know, like people hear that, especially if they don't live in this world of personal finance, they're like, that stinks. I don't, that sounds terrible. I got to see what I bought on Amazon for the last three months. That's going to be very depressing and talk about shame <laughs> coming in from all those packages arriving on my doorstep. Um, how do you, like, what are some tips that you give people when they're sitting down to budget and people, everyone has heard of you need a budget, you know, that's something that is out there. Someone has heard that somewhere, whether it's from their boss, from a friend on, uh, you know, an advertisement on TV, but people don't know how to get started. Like what is something that can help people get past maybe whether it's fear or shame or reluctance, like how do you get people to just at least take the first step on that? I like first to call to reframe, right? So in the book, I don't, even though I'm the budget needs I call it your money list, whatever it's going to be like, okay, it's like, oof, we don't have to call it the B word. 
So I don't really call it that in the book. I'm like, here's your money list. And then I like to remind you that like your money list or your budget is really, I want you to think about like it as like your mom growing up as a kid or whoever raised you, right? So you might be like, mom, can I um, have dessert? Yes, after you eat dinner. Or mom, can I play outside with my friends? Yes, if you do your homework. And so your money list or your budget is not there to say no, just like your mom. They're there, your, your money list is there to say yes in a way that is sustainable and healthy and safe. So yeah, yes, you can go on vacation. Yes, when you save for this. Yes, if you reduce some of your expenses. Yes, um, in, a, in conjunction with X, Y, Z. So I don't like to think of my budget as a, that's why I like to reframe. I don't like to think of my budget as a, as a, a restriction. It's my say yes plan. It's here to say yes in a way that's sustainable. Let's talk about people's problems with saving because, you know, they have the issue with budgeting. We've already reframed that. Thank you for giving us a way to look at that in a different way. Um, what are some of people's or what are people's biggest struggles with savings and how do you tackle these in the book? So people struggle with savings is people are usually good at, well, they're not good at saving. They're good at delayed spending. If you're anything like me, I used to put something in my savings account only to go to Target and be like, girl, just come on over here to checking so we can use you. <laughs> and so it wasn't saving. It was just delayed spending. And so one of the ways to tackle that, and I tackle that in the book, is I I share this um, tool that I call split it before you get it. And this is when you go to HR and you say, hey, and most payroll departments can do this, not all, but most, instead of giving me all my money in my checking account, I'd like you to split it into two checking accounts at this one bank, my regular brick and mortar bank, and two savings accounts at my online only high yield savings bank. And so when you have this money, you're saving separate from your checking. If you're going to want to make a transfer to, from this online only bank to where your checking account is, you're looking at about 24 hour, sometimes up to 72 hour wait, depending on what day. You know, so that means you're not going to do any impulse buying with your savings. It's going to make you stop and pause and leave your savings alone. So that's one of the ways to help you automate savings one and then leave it alone because you've made your money inconvenient and inconvenient money gets saved. Oh, I love that. Inconvenient money gets saved. And I'm not saying that you can't do those purchases, Mindy, right? So that's why I like to have two checking accounts, one for bills, because it's like, let's be real. You know, we're an adult. I don't want anyone knocking on my door. And then another checking account for for spending. So for groceries and some impulse purchases because we're still human. So you want to leave space for that. But at least you know, whenever I swipe my debit card, one, I dislodge my debit card from my bills account. Like the bank won't tell you this, but you actually don't have to have a debit card attached to a checking account. You can actually break that that connection. So I know when I swipe my debit card, it's not my bill money. It's not my savings. It's only money that I've set aside for spending on things like groceries and grooming, but also maybe some unexpected things that I just want for myself. And then it, it allows me to be like, is I can only be as um, reckless as the money that's set aside in that account. And I know it's never going to be savings. It's never going to be bills. So it can't be that bad. This is such a good, Just let's hit home on this a little bit. This split it before you forget it. Well, say it again, split it. No, split it before you get it. Split it before you get it. There we go. Oh, and then you forget it. 
you know, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like split it, get it, forget it. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yes, that's right. Then it works. But this is so powerful. Like this is, and we've talked about it before on the podcast and people talk about it all the time. Why does the government have your employer withhold taxes from your paycheck? Because you're not going to pay it 12 months from now. You're not going to save 25% of your paycheck to pay the federal government, your local government, your state government, they pull it out right away. You don't even know it's there. And sometimes people will be like, ah, you know, just two checking accounts. I got to keep track of two, two or three savings accounts. Oh my goodness. I'm not, I'm going to lose track of it. Well, that's probably good. But if you can set these things up automatically, it's just that lazy person budget. It's going to solve so many of your problems, especially when a lot of times you'll You'll read a, an awesome workbook or a book that's put out by someone like you and be gung ho for a certain amount of time. And once you get past the initial excitement, if you can have automated as much of that as possible, it will keep you on the train. And when you get busy, when you have little kids, when the summer happens and you're running everywhere and Christmas is coming and the gifts are coming, you know, it's that automation. I mean, I love how you hammered out on that. I just think that is so, so huge. And even the splitting of your checking accounts from the, the adult account. I love that. Let's be adults with this one. And then, you know, let's have fun with this one, but you've already predetermined that and there's no shame. There's no guilt there. And that, that just, you're not having to try to argue with yourself. Should I spend this or not? It's already there or it's not. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like um, for those people who might meal plan, like if you meal plan on Sundays, it's like basically you're automating your money. And then th throughout the week, you can just pull, pull the meals out of the refrigerator. And so you're right, Kyle, that people are most excited when they first start. So if you can like lean in on that excitement and set up all these automations, because we're all going to get lazy again, it's happening. You know, then it's like, whoo, I'm so glad that I call her responsible Tiffany. I'm like, I'm so glad responsible Tiffany set up her automations because real Tiffany is back. Yes, yes, <laughs> totally. Yes. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund 
for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney netsuite.com slash BP money. Okay. So there's a lot of different ways to get out of debt. Which one did you follow in your own life? So when I had the $35,000 in, it was mostly credit card. Debt. Well, it was credit card debt. Then I also had a $200,000 um, uh, mortgage. And then I also had a $52,000 student loan debt. So I started off with the snowball method, which I found to be really helpful, especially snowball is when you pay off, you know, the, the smallest balances first. And as you pay them off, then you roll over 
whatever that balance was to the next smallest debt on your list, whatever you were paying that payment. Um, and so I started off there and snowball works great if you're just starting out and you need a little motivation because you get some early wins. And as the, as I got really good at snowball, then I switched over to avalanche. And, um, that method is when you pay off the debt with the highest interest rate first. And so, because I had done snowball for like a year or so, and then I was like, oh, okay. So now I've gotten pretty good at it. I don't necessarily need the pat on the back. Let me do the most impactful debt. Let me get rid of that first, you know? And so I started to do that. And then most recently, and I wish I would have heard about this before the book came out. I forget the name of it. Snowball Avalanche. There's another term, which I, I wrote it down, but essentially it's when you take care of the debt with the most emotional weight. And I can't remember the name of it. Like a, it's some other snow name, you know, but, and I remember being like, I love that. You know, that basically you start to, there are, for example, let's just say you borrow money from your grandmother, you know, like, and you're like, I got to give granny her money back. Even though you're like, cause you're like, Chase, bang, I'll see you later, but not granny. And so I, I, can't, I have to figure out the name of that, but I love that to integrate that, that to then look at debt to say, okay, you know, which one do I have that's giving me the most emotional distress and focus on paying that debt off first. So a mix of those three, depending on who you are, you know, is, is really going to be, I think work best. And I, I, I say starting with the snowball method first is probably best and then intermingling avalanche and the other method where you, you work on the debt that gives you the most stress and anxiety. Second, I love that emotional debt piece. I have not heard that before. I, I think that is just incredible. And as soon as you said that, I, I thought relatives, friends, if you've borrowed anything from anybody that you value a relationship with, nail that one first if it because most likely that's going to have the emotional burden and it's going to it's going to impact that relationship in a way that's different than your relationship with chase bank that's really cool i i think that's a really neat thing and i agree with you too like the snowball effect to get those quick wins like if you've got a 75 dollar a month debt and all of a sudden you knock it out and then you knock out a 200 dollar a month debt like these little ones it really gives you some psychological motivation that you can actually get this done but just to, to transition to another kind of situation when it comes to debt, how do you talk to people about people who have, have done something or multiple things where, where their credit is just trashed? You know, like someone where they maybe, maybe it was a debt thing. Maybe it was a medical bill thing. Maybe it was their fault. Maybe it was life just happened. Uh, but like, where do people start with something like, like that? What do you tell people both from probably an emotional standpoint, but then like first actions to take, to start getting on the right path to where you can then move into a different financial stage of life after that. So Kyle, first things first, I tell people that like, if credit is your main issue, breathe easy. Cause to me, it is the easiest thing to fix. Debt is like, well, you know, we're going to be here for a while. Buckle up, you know, <laughs> you know, budgeting is also like, okay, budgeting is a lot of discipline and even savings, but credit is really just tips and tricks, you know? So I'm like, you know, cause, and, and typically that's the thing that people are most like freaked out about. And I'm just like, honestly, like, I want you to breathe easy if that's your biggest issue, because with some tips and tricks, we can get you right as rain. Right. And so, so that's, I start with there just like, we got this when it comes to credit. And then I like to put what I call on the board where it's like, here is the goal on the board. Once you get to about seven, seven fifty, seven sixty, you start to enter what they call like perfect credit, meaning like 800 is great. You know, 800 and 
and 50 is, is great. But truthfully, once you get to that 740, 750 and above, for the most part, you're, you're, you're in the A plus class either way. So don't try to stress yourself like, but I really want 800. I'm like, eh, focus someplace else once you get to like 760, right? So that's the second thing that I do is like, let's set the number so that way we know where we're actually chasing. And then third, we break down the components of your credit score. 35% of your credit score is payment history. And if you set up that separate checking account for your bills and automate your bill payment, cha-ching, like, look how much work you've done already with no real work. Like literally automating, automating your payments is going to tremendously help your credit score. And then 30% of your credit score is amounts owed, right? So that's just really paying down debt, you know? And so if you kind of start to automate, like, through that avalanche, through um, snowball, and I can't remember the other one. I'm going to figure out the other one, and then I'm going to claim, it's going to be my claim to fame that I made it up. So if you heard it here, folks. <laughs> right? um, and then the other one, whatever the other snow snow reference one, you know, once you set up and automate a debt pay down plan, you're taking care of 65% of the things that that positively affect your credit score. You know, and then once you get that and it's automated, then we can start to get into some of the tricks instead of just the tips. And so one of my favorite tricks that I use is um, I call it like, so I'm 44. So like I grew up with Jordan. I know everybody loves LeBron, but I'm like, have you watched Jordan play? Right. In his prime. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so I call it jump like the jump like Jordan method. Because remember Jordan used to jump and it was like he was frozen in the air, right? <laughs> yes, with the tongue out. So with the, the jump tongue like, out. Jump like Jordan method is this, is that you get a credit card that you ideally already have, or maybe you were going to get one anyway. It has a zero balance. And you're going to put, you're going to look at your um, your budget or your money list and find the lowest reoccurring bill. So let's just say it's Planet Fitness for like 15 bucks or Netflix or whatever, whatever your lowest reoccurring bill is, and you're going to put it on that card and nothing else. That card's going to stay home. And then every month you're going to pay that card off in full because I don't know what it is, but the credit bureaus like ring the alarm, like, oh my gosh, Mindy paid it off. Kyle paid it off in full every single month. And in so doing, it gives an extra boost. Like it doesn't matter if it's $5, 500, 5,000, and I did that when my credit score like dropped really low after um, Jake the Thief left me in all that credit card debt. And um, and I had a foreclosure. And in two years, I went from like a 530. It took me two years because of the foreclosure um, to get up to a 750. And now I'm in the 800s. And so that is um, one of the tricks that you can use paying off a credit card in full every single month. But but it doesn't have to be a lot of money. And so I like made whole is full of here are kind of like some tips and tricks to, to raise your credit score. And, and most of them are automated. So you don't have to stress yourself out. I love that tip. I, uh, didn't know about that. And I, I like, I always pay off my credit cards cause I'm, you know, I'm a nerd like that. I'm, I'm responsible like that. Let's, let's reframe this because this is a good thing to pay off your credit cards. Like, I didn't know that was an option. When I got my first credit card, I was 17. I graduated high, I have a late birthday and my parents, you can't get a credit card when you're 17. So my parents got a credit card and added me to the credit card as a, as a authorized user. I had my own card. And when I turned 18, I inherited their credit score which I didn't even know was a thing and which is now called adding somebody onto your card as an authorized user. And then 
after, I don't know how long it takes for you to inherit their credit score, but that's another way to get your credit score. The issue is, I believe when you are no longer on that card, you no longer have that score. So yes, this is true. But And so I did this for my sister, my dad, same thing. Mindy, I too was 17. I have a late birthday when I graduated high school. And my dad did that for me, that I was added on as an authorized user. And his good behavior became my good behavior, as long as you're on that card. Um, now, the key is, because I did this for my sister, and cause I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to pass the love along. I was in my 20s, and I forgot to make a payment. <laughs> so she called me. Fussing. I was like, what's your problem? My credit score. I was like, oh, yeah, forgot to make that payment because you inherit the good or the bad. Yeah. And you know what? That's a great point that I wanted to bring up. You were talking about payment history is 35% of your score. So you need to make sure that you're paying your payments on time. When you miss a payment, one payment, you're perfect forever. You miss one payment. You are horrible. Your score drops so much. I want you to think of like your credit score. Like I tell people like your, your GPA, like in high school. And so you have straight A's and you just got a big F. So you're not going to go down to F, but that F is going to be averaged into your credit score GPA. Rounding out the credit score, what comes into it is credit inquiries, credit history, and credit mix. So the credit history, I want to, I want to highlight. Some people will say, okay, I got out of debt. Now I'm canceling my credit card. Ooh. Hold off. Don't cancel the very first card you ever had. My husband and I have a card from like 27 years ago. We use it zero of the time because it doesn't give us anything. It's not, you know, we, we do these benefits and like credit card points and all of that, but we keep it open. And every once in a while, we'll like put gas on it and then go pay it off right away because it's been open for 27 years. When we close that, then our credit history shrinks a little bit. Other cards we open and close a lot, but having that open long enough or, or that long really makes us look like uh, sure bets. Let's switch gears and talk about retirement. Can you break down how to invest for retirement and how to invest for wealth building into the present? So one of my favorite chapters and the longest chapters in Made Whole is um, the investment chapter. It's the sixth step on the Made Whole kind of like checklist. And I like to distinguish between investing for wealth and investing for retirement. Like when people say I'm saving for retirement, I'm like, maybe initially you save, but ultimately your retirement money is meant to be grown. And so I like to change and reframe that language that like you're really investing for retirement. And the difference between the two is this, is that if you are invest, you want to start with investing for retirement with any excess money that you might have after bills are paid. And you know that you're investing for retirement because if you can look around with how your life looks now. And investing for retirement means you will be able to maintain your current lifestyle. That's the purpose behind investing for retirement. It's not going to put you on a private island. It's not going to, it's like, oh, this chair, I'll have that chair in retirement. You know, like I'm talking about metaphorically, you know, like your life now, you can currently maintain that life. And investing for wealth is different. It is to raise your current lifestyle and to leave a legacy. But I want you to do the foundational part first, which is retirement first. So when you're going to invest for retirement, you're going to figure out like what there are investment vehicles that are available to you. Well, one, you're going to figure out um, what type of investor are you? Are you someone who is passive? 
Are you an active investor? Are you somebody who's kind of like in between? So I have like a fun set of quizzes to kind of identify what kind of investor you are. So you can kind of figure out which um, vehicle that you should invest in. So it's like understanding like, oh, like for me, I'm kind of in between. Like I'll do a little bit of research, but your girl is busy. You know, like some people, a friend of mine is an active trader, you know, I'm Tila. So she's active. So, you know, so for her, stocks are like perfect. For me, I'm more an ETF girl or like mutual funds because I want to kind of set it and semi-forget it. Um, so you take the quiz inside the book, you figure out what kind of investor you are, um, and then you figure out what vehicles are available to you. So I like to, first and foremost, when it's investing for retirement, ask yourself, does my company offer a match wherever I work? Because if so, there's money on the table, go get it. So if your company, a match looks like this, the percentage of your income that you make, they will put up if you put up as well. So if the match is say 5%, if you put up 1%, they'll put up one. If you put up four, they put up four. If you put up five, they put up five. If you put up six, they put up five because that's their cap. So if your company offers a match, you want to at least put up enough to max out the match that they're giving you. You know, and so because that's technically, I mean, people say free money, but nothing's ever free. But at least it's like because ideally you want to set aside um like 10 to depending these days, maybe even upwards of 20 percent, if if possible, of your income to set aside for depending what kind of retirement you want to have. Right. And so if 10 percent is your goal, then if you put up five and they put up five, you've met your goal without having to put the whole whole amount up yourself. Um, but I also want you to consider external um, retirement accounts like uh, an IRA, you know, an individual retirement account and a Roth IRA. So I can't remember when I wrote the book at the time, I want to say if you made under 130000 or $140,000, I don't know what it is now, I'd have to Google it, then you're eligible to put money up for a Roth IRA, although there's backdoor Roths and ways to get around it. But on the front end, like Roth IRAs, you have to make under a certain amount to to qualify. So the difference between Traditional retirement on IRA and a Roth IRA is traditional retirement. You get your savings. Now you put money in that account. It reduces your income and you pay less taxes now. And then when you pull the money out later, you pay taxes on the money later. A Roth IRA is you put your money has already been taxed and you put money into your Roth IRA. And then later you don't have to pull pay taxes on the money you pull out. And so it's, it's really ideal to be putting money into pre-tax, like an account, like a, like a, like the account at your retirement account at your job or, or an IRA and also a Roth IRA having some in both. So that way, when it's time to retire, you've gotten some tax benefits up front. And then because you might have a Roth, you've gotten some tax benefits, you know, when it's time to retire. So these are things to consider when you're, when you're investing for retirement. Now, investing for wealth, this is where you could be a little bit more aggressive for those folks who have bills paid on time, debt is fully managed, they're, you know, they're doing great with retirement investing, and now they're ready to invest for, to currently increase their level of living and um, setting aside money for um for their heirs or their legacy. And so it looks similar to investing for retirement, except for there's not going to be tax benefits, you know? So because, you know, this, the, the accounts that you're going to be using, these brokerage accounts you're going to be using, 
you know, they're, they're like, whatever, you have enough money to do this. We're not going to give you a tax benefit, but you want to identify for yourself what type of investor you are. Are you going to be heavily into stocks? Maybe investing looks like real estate for you. Investing might be looking like investing into businesses for you, identifying like what that kind of looks like for you. And I help you in the book to identify the avenues to go through and then putting that excess money there consistently. If you do those things, then like, Um, you might not be the richest, but you'll certainly have more than enough to take care of yourself and your family. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying between the two items there for retirement and wealth building. That's a completely different goal. Okay. Let's talk about chapter nine, my favorite chapter, Grow Rich-ish. First of all, I love that title, ish, rich-ish, because you're not promising the world. One thing I love about you, I mean, everything I love about you, Tiffany, but one thing I love about you is you don't promise the world. You're not promising, hey, if you do everything, you're going to be a billionaire. You're not probably going to be a billionaire, but you can be rich-ish if you follow all these steps. And in this chapter, you're talking about increasing your net worth, and it is peppered with reassurances, which I love because we're all feeling the shame, like you said earlier, the SH word, the the shame of not knowing about your money. And if you didn't know about it, if you didn't learn about it, how do you know you know, don't feel shame. So, so many people feel bad about their lack of knowledge and their financial situation, and they shouldn't. And you've got reassurances like, and this is a quote, net worth isn't a number that says anything about what kind of person you are or accomplishments you've had in your life. Whatever your net worth is, it's okay. All you have now is a number that gives you something to work with, a place to start from. Yeah, net worth really is, is is what you own minus what you owe. That's just that simple. I own these things. I have a house, well, at least the equity in my house, you know, the the value of my car, um, you know, I don't know, maybe it's like your wedding ring, maybe you have some art in the house, it's cash businesses. So I own these things and then I owe these things. So it's like my actual mortgage. Maybe you have like, you, there's money left in the car that you actually owe, um, you know, credit card debt, student loan debt. And so I owe these things. So if you subtract what you owe from what you own, you will have a number that's your net worth. It is not your value number of who you are as a person. It, it A net worth is a really great way to just kind of do like a financial checkup to say, oof, because there are people who own millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. You know, they own $50 million. You're like, wow, you must be rich. But they owe $250 million. You're like, oh, you're, you're broker than my, my five-year-old nephew. <laughs> you know, because you owe way more than you own. And so the key, why I love that net worth is near the end is because what I tell you is if you do all the works in, in the prior chapters, once you get to net worth, you have all the tools to increase what you own and decrease what you owe. So somebody going through this workbook, how long do you anticipate them spending with the book? It's not just pick it up and you're done in a day. Um, It depends, right? So I'm someone who I love to read. So, and I probably wouldn't suggest that somebody race through it in a week. You certainly could if you, so there are some people like this. They're like, first round, I just want to listen. So, you know, maybe it's like this first week, you're just going to listen. You're not going to do anything. And then second round, I'm going to work through it. And so maybe that's like a month. I suggest a book club, you know, like with some friends so you can actually work through it together. That'd be really fun. Um, and then some people want to like me too. I actually, sometimes I like to read and do. 
You know, so if I'm a read and doer, then I go much slower and I'm looking at about a month, a month and a half to kind of really work through. Um, or you might also, because I love that it's 10 steps, you might say, well, every week I'm going to work on a step. So then that's 10 weeks, you know? So there's so many ways I like to just, for me, I like to create a system for myself so I don't fall off. Um, when it comes to workbooks, I'm like, okay, here's my system. Typically I find a friend to do along with me. And then like, even now I'm reading a book, um, called attached. It's about like a attachment styles and about like, you know, how do you show up? Like, are you anxious when you show up for people in your life? Are you kind of aloof and avoidant or are you secure? And so I'm trying to figure out like, who am I and how do I show up differently? Um, and so a friend of mine, we're reading it together and every week we go through like two chapters and we'll talk through it. And so like, you know, even though the book attached is not a workbook, but because I'm trying to do work, so I'm like forcing it to be a workbook. But the good thing about made holes is that you don't have to force it. You know, you could check in weekly with yourself or whoever you're working through it with in order to do the work. So do you have a book club set up that people can join? So absolutely. So when I first did Made Whole, that came out, like when I first did Get Good With Money, it's companion book, people wanted it. So a few months later, I created a um you know, like a, like a sheet, like a kit, a work, not a kit. Um, yeah, really like, um, a book club kit. And so I'm going to do the same thing for made whole where it's literally like a series of videos and questions you can ask. Um, because I find that, you know, which I'm so glad people agree with me that money is not a solo sport that you ought to do it along with other people. So yeah, there'll be a free downloadable book club kit, you know, on the site. So that way you can, you know, you could do it with other people. Tiffany, it is Always a joy to talk to you. I really have to keep myself in check so I just fangirl all over you. But this was so helpful. Anybody who needs help with their finances, anybody who is knows somebody who needs help with their finances. Hey, Christmas is coming. When does this book come out and where can people find it? So the book comes out November 21st. And folks can find it wherever books are sold. Um, and if you're like me, I like to support like local bookstores. So if you go to madewholeworkbook.com, so that's madewholeworkbook.com, you will see a list of like all of these different places, you know, from the big box places to like smaller places where you can purchase the book. Tiffany, it is so good to talk with you today. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for being just a joy to talk to and just so much fun. I feel like we could just keep going for a long time here. Uh, where can people find you? What's the best place for people to connect with you if they want to learn more, not just about your book, but about who you are, all these other resources you have? Well, Kyle, thank you so much. I am the Budget Nista everywhere. Thebudgetnista.com, the Budget Nista on TikTok, although I don't TikTok much, but Instagram, Facebook still, YouTube, Twitter, or X or whatever they're calling it now, um, and LinkedIn. But yeah, just the Budget Nista wherever like social media and, and sites are found. Tiffany, thank you so much for your time today. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Holy cats, Kyle. That was Tiffany and she is amazing. What was your biggest takeaway? Man, it, there's so much in here. It was it was just really good to hear her talk about everything. I, if I had to pick one thing, I usually, whenever I learn something or hear a new terminolo terminology that I've never heard anymore, terminology, hear a new term that I've never heard before. She talked about the emotional debt snowball or snowflake or you know, whatever we want to call it. I think she's going to try to think of something to call it. But I just thought that was a really neat concept when you're starting to pay off your debt to look at different, uh, 
strategies to do that, but to keep in mind the emotional weight that some sort of debt may hold on you, which whether that's a debt to a family member, a friend, some sort of relation, or, you know, maybe it has something to do with uh, something that was hard, like a divorce or something like that. But that was just a really cool concept. So I just, I like that she pulled that out. And I haven't heard that talked about very much before. I really liked how she encourages you to reframe your thinking. Tiffany gave us a lot of ways to do this, most notably budgeting. Budgeting isn't a limitation. It's your mother. Yes. Yes, but. Yes, you can do this, but first you have to do that. And that is such a great way to reframe the thinking about budgeting. She's got a lot of ways to reframe your thinking. Uh, the, the money one, split it before you get it. So you split your your income before it comes into your bank account. So you go to your HR person and you say, hey, instead of giving me my entire paycheck, put X amount of dollars into this account and X amount of dollars into that account. So you've got your money for your bills and you've got your money for your discretionary or more discretionary spending. And you pay your bills from here. You never have to worry about going negative in that account because that's just for bills. And you even have it at different banks, which I think is a huge key point to make to people who are having trouble getting started. If your money is easily transferred between your accounts, it's going to be a lot easier for you to just be like, oh, I'll just move over these $500. No, if it's really, really hard to make that money move, it like that can be such a, like a slam down to you, um, making that money move. Oh, it's going to take three days. Forget it. I'll just do something else. And I just, I love the way she thinks and I love these little mind tricks that she has to help you change your mindset about money. She's just great. All right, Kyle, should we get out of here? Sounds good to me. That wraps up this episode of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. He is Kyle Mast. Kyle, where can people find more about you? Uh, the best place is just kylemast.com. I write a newsletter sometimes and I've got some other stuff on there, but yeah, I'm on Twitter a little bit, but usually my website is the, the easiest way. KyleMass.com. And I am Mindy Jensen saying, gotta go, Beagle. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. And if you're looking for even more money content, feel free to visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash biggerpocketsmoney. Bigger Pockets Money was created by Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Lastly, a big thank you to the Bigger Pockets team for making this show possible. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. 
Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.